If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 1. We are continuing to look at John 1. We've been looking at John 1 the last couple weeks, and we're going to look at John 1 today and next week as well as we celebrate Advent and think about how God is calling us to look towards the coming and to celebrate the coming of Jesus. Yeah, Chris, you might want to turn me down just a little bit. If God asked you to make a, a list, a Christmas list of things you'd like him to give you this Christmas, what would you put on that list? What would you put on that list if God said, you know, make a Christmas list and, and let me know what you want? You know what, our kids are little, they're constantly, they're, they're obsessed with what they're going to get, with making lists of things that they want. And, and it's always a battle, you know, as parents, you're trying to encourage them to be like, you know, you know Christmas is also about giving. It'd be good for you to think about what you want to give to somebody else rather than what you want to get constantly, you know, we're constantly fighting that battle, and it's, it's a good thing, a good lesson to teach kids as they get older, that Christmas is not simply about getting stuff, it's about an opportunity to give, to be generous, right? But as I think about it, and as I thought about this week especially, um, the reality is that Christmas, ultimately, the most important aspect about Christmas is, in fact, receiving. It's receiving what God has given for us and given to us. And that's what I want to think about this morning for a few minutes as we look at John 1. We're going to focus mainly on 11, verses 11 to 13, but I'm going to go ahead and read John 1, 1 to 18, and uh, I want you to just listen, pay attention to God's word right now, and really listen to what he wants to say to you. So listen to God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that your spirit would work right now. That your spirit would work in our minds, in our hearts. That you would help us to listen to what you want to say. Father, we pray for the one who is speaking, that that you would speak in spite of his limitations and sin. And Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us in a way that that we are ultimately changed this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, so you're, you're walking down the street of a, of a city, a busy city, and you're just walking along, and, and you glance around and you notice that there is someone in the distance. There's a figure in the distance who seems to be following you. And you keep walking along, you kind of speed up a little bit, and, and you look back and this person continues to follow you. Actually, they're, they're speeding up as well, and it seems like they're trying to catch up to you. Their, their eyes are fixed upon you. And so you speed up a little more and you start to jog a little bit. You're getting a little scared and, you're, and you know, the, the, the perspiration starts to form on your temple and, and you start to run a little faster. You look back and this person is now sprinting after you. And you see a corner up ahead. And you, you, you quickly you turn, make a turn around the corner hoping to evade your pursuer and you realize you've run into a dead end. And so you stand there with your back against the wall. You huddle yourself into the corner afraid that this person's going to notice that you've turned the corner and immediately, within seconds, this person rounds the corner and they come towards you quickly with their hand out. And you're like, what's going to happen? No! Eventually they get to you and they say, uh, you dropped your $20 bill back there? I just wanted to give this to you. <laughs> when it comes to our relationship with God, one of the ways we have to see it as a relationship where he is the great giver and we receive what he gives us. And yet we, I think, make it hard for him. We make it hard for him. We have a hard time receiving what he wants to give us. In, uh, in this chapter, in chapter 1, verse 11, it talks about how Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But then it goes on, but to all who did receive him, this is the key upon which Christianity turns, upon which all of life turns, Will we receive what God wants to give us this Christmas and in all of life? It will radically transform your life if you understand how to and what to receive from God. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, just a few gifts that God wants to give us that I see in these couple verses, verses especially verses 12 and 13. We're going to look at three gifts that God wants to give us and, uh, and, about, and, and we're going to think about how, how we tend to push those gifts away and not receive them in the hopes that we will, hopefully this Christmas and in all of life, receive what God wants to give us. The first gift that I want to focus on is the gift of the su- supernatural birth. The gift of supernatural birth. He says in verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then in verse 13 he goes on, Who were born? Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all those who receive Jesus, to those who follow Jesus, who trust in him, who, are, who count themselves as Christians, we are people who are born anew, who God gives new birth to, who he makes new through the power of his spirit. And it is something that is entirely his doing. We are born of God. We're not born of our, our blood. We're not, we, a, a Christian isn't a Christian because they, their parents are Christians, because they were born into a Christian family and they were raised as Christians. A person isn't a Christian um, because of the will of the flesh, because of things that we do, because I'm trying really hard to act like a Christian, like I know I'm supposed to. A Christian isn't a Christian because I've decided to be a Christian. A Christian, according to verse 13, is a Christian because God has given birth to them, has made them new has given them a new birth. Jesus talks more, uh, more in detail about this in chapter 3 of John where he talks to Nicodemus. So 
You guys might be familiar with that story when Jesus talks to Nicodemus and, and Jesus says, nobody can, can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above, unless he's born again. God needs to do a work for us and in us if we are going to experience his kingdom, if we are ex- going to experience him and being a part of his family. Okay? So being a Christian depends on what God does for us and in us rather than on what we do primarily. And this is a gift. This is a gift that God gives us. The fact that my status as one who is loved by God and as one who is a Christian is dependent on him rather than on me primarily. Uh, Upon him working in me. Upon what he has done for me to give birth to me. It's not dependent on me. It's, it's a gift because then the, the reason it's a gift is because it doesn't necessarily depend now on what I do. My experience of God's love for me isn't dependent on how good of a Christian I act like today. It's dependent on what he has done for me to make me new, to bring me into his family. It's dependent on the fact that he has done something specific, that he has sent his son into the world to live and to die for me His work for me, rather than me working for myself. It's dependent on what he has done for me in Jesus, that I am forgiven, and I count myself a Christian. And it's it's because of what he does in me by the power of his spirit to make me new. The problem is we resist this gift. I, I, I realize that you can't really resist the gift of being born. I mean, children, when they are born, they don't really have much say in being born, right? They're just born. And so I don't really have a choice in, in being given birth by God, but I do have a choice in, in whether I acknowledge it and, and receive that or whether I live in denial of it. And the problem is I think most of us live in denial of it. We try to, we, we try to think of our, our lives as Christians as depending on us rather than him, on what we have done to give ourselves birth, basically, and on what we do. We try to depend on, on trying to, you know, when we do nice things, we can give ourselves a pat on the back and feel better about ourselves. Um, we, we tend to, one of the reasons I think we tend to re- resist this gift or live in denial of this gift is because it, it allows us to be in control of how we feel about ourselves and our, about our spiritual well-being. You know, I can feel better about myself when I do a few good things or, or I can even, you know, decide how many good things I need to do to feel better about myself. And I can decide how I'm going to evaluate how I'm doing spiritually before God. But, but God says, no, uh, if you're a Christian, it's dependent on what I have done for you through Christ and in you by my spirit to give you birth. And that gives me freedom. It gives me freedom as I live my life. And, and it even sets me free to, to want to live in response to him, to love him more. The fact that that his love for me is dependent not on me, but on him. That's a gift, the gift of supernatural birth. The second gift I want to focus on is the gift of adoption, which comes loud and clear in verse 12. He says, But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you believe in the name of Jesus, to believe in the name of Jesus, that when he talks about the name of Jesus, he's he's not talking about just Jesus' name. He's talking about that represents all of who Jesus is. And all that Jesus has done. That's what he's talking about. If you believe in all that Jesus is and all that he has done, then what does it say? He gives you the right to become a child of God. To become God's child. To count him as your father. 
This past week, I was listening to a Christmas album by Stephen Curtis Chapman, if any of you guys know who he is. He's, been a, he's a Christian contemporary singer. He's been around for a bunch of years. And, and his most recent Christmas album, I don't know when it came out, he, he and his wife are, are, have adopted several kids, and they're really outspoken proponents of, of adoption. And one of the songs on this album is called All I Really Want for Christmas, and, it, and it's all about a child, a little boy, who is in a group home, and all he really wants, all he longs for, is to be part of a family. To be part of a family where he is loved, where he is accepted, where he is safe, and, and to have a parent, a, a father and a mother who, who delight in him. I'll, I'll just read a few, a few lines from the... Uh, from uh, the, the song, he says, all I really want for Christmas is someone to tuck me in, a shoulder to cry on if I lose, shoulders to ride on if I win. All I really want is someone who'll be there to sing me happy birthday for the next hundred years. All I really want is someone who tell me I'll never be alone, someone whose love will never end. This child, it's, it's you know, it's, we can understand that. This child living in a group home, all they want is a family. All they want is someone whose love is certain, that they can count on. Someone who delights in them, who celebrates with them, who weeps with them, who will sing to them, happy birthday. You know, someone who cares about them. And yet their experience in this group home, as they see people coming to, to think about maybe adopting kids, it, all he thinks about is how, you know, this, he realizes that these people that, that come to maybe adopt a child have a list in their minds of what they're looking for, and so he's just thinking, I've got to be what they want. I've got to be what they're looking for. And so his, his, his mind is fixed on trying to perform and be what they want him to be, and, and, they, and, and he thinks about how nobody really notices him. Everybody looks past him. No one really cares about him. He has this longing, this longing to be seen and loved and cared for. And I think the reality is that's, that's a longing that, that I think that we can all understand because all of us have that longing. No matter what your experience is of being in a family, some of us grew up with incredible parents, parents who love us, a place where we are f- feel incredibly safe and secure. Others of us have, have grown up in places where, where it's, it's difficult and it's been painful and you've felt alone. But no matter where you've come from, I think every single one of us realizes that, that this love that we've experienced from our parents, whether it's been good or bad, is, is, is just a, a shadow of, of what God has for us, of what we were meant for, of what we were created for. And, he sa- and the line in the song says, I just want someone who sing me, sings me happy birthday for the next hundred years. I mean, that's not really realistic, is it? For your parent to sing you happy birthday for a hundred years. They're not going to live that long. Even if you have perfect parents they're not going to stick around forever. But God's love, and as a father, will be there forever. It will always satisfy. And he makes this promise to us. You know, if, if you believe in Jesus and all that he has done, and all that he is, then you can know, you can count on the fact that you are a child of God, that he has adopted you, and you are his. He delights in you. One of the things is, one of the problems with that is I think a lot of us who have been in church, we've heard this, we know this, we know that, that as a Christian, I am a child of God, and yet, again, I think we resist this. I don't know if it's that we resist it, but we, we have a hard time believing it. We have a hard time believing that God really loves us that much, that God's really going to be, be there for us no matter what. We have a hard time really believing that. We've seen that in our own home when we have, as we've done foster care, and we've had kids come into our home 
without fail. We have kids coming to our home, and we know that what they, what they need and what they long for is to have a family, to have a place of security, have somebody that they know loves them. And we try to communicate that to them, that we love them. And yet, almost every time, without fail, they push us away at times. They have what you know, all the experts talk about is attachment disorder, right? They, they don't want to risk counting on the fact that they are loved that much. And they push us away. And I think we do the same thing in our relationship with God. We, we, even though we have this promise from God that he will love us in a way that we can't imagine, we have difficulty really believing it. And instead, we live our lives as if we have no parents, as if we are orphans, instead of living our lives as if we are his children. I wanted to, um, th- there's a, a really good um, Bible study that came out a bunch of years ago. It's called Sonship, and it's kind of morphed over the years, and there's other, other studies that are connected to it that have been derived from it. And uh, one of our small groups is, is going to start working through one of those studies. Is, and, uh, and one of the exercises that it does in a study that is really eye-opening as you go through it is it, it asks you, you know, how much of your life, if God has promised that he has made you his child, how much of your life are you living more like an orphan than you are living like his son or his daughter? Are you living your life like a son or daughter, or are you living your life like an orphan, as if he, he doesn't care about you, as if he's not your parent? And I'm going to go through and read a bunch of these in this exercise, because um, I think it's helpful for us to think about, am I living my life as an orphan, or do I really believe this? Am I rejecting this gift of God, of sonship, of daughtership, of, of, of being his child? So this is what it says. An orphan tends to feel alone. An orphan lacks a daily vital intimacy with God. Whereas a son or a daughter has a growing assurance that God is really my loving Heavenly Father. Which one do you fall into? An orphan tends to feel anxious over their felt needs, over, over, over money, over the things that they need in life, over relationships. An orphan tends to say, you know, I'm all alone and nobody cares. Whereas a child says, a child trusts in their father and has a growing confidence in his loving care. And they're being freed up from worry. An orphan lives on a success-fail basis. They need to look good. They're constantly focused on their performance, whereas a child is learning to live in daily self-conscious partnership with God, and they're not fearful. An orphan feels condemned, guilty, unworthy before God and others. Whereas a child feels loved, forgiven, totally accepted because of what God has done for them in Jesus. An orphan has lots of fear and has little ability to really trust God and is constantly saying, I've got to fix this. A child has a daily working trust in God's sovereign plan over his or her life and that it's loving and wise and what God knows is best for me. Are you hearing? Which, which, which camp do you, do you sense yourself in here? An orphan labors under a sense of unlimited obligation. I, I should really do this. I should, I should do this. I, I've got to do this because I'm supposed to. Uh, a child, for a child, prayer is the first resort. I'm going to ask my daddy first. An orphan is rebellious, resists authority, is defensive, can't listen well, whereas a, a child is open to criticism, has the strength to be submissive. An orphan has a need to be right has a need to be safe and secure, and they're unwilling to fail while a child is able to take risks and even fail because they have a father who cares about them. And their, their significance is in who Jesus is and their older brother, Jesus. 
An orphan is self-confident while a child is Christ-confident. An orphan is constantly trying harder, focused on self-effort, while a child is trusting less in self and in the Holy Spirit. Just a couple more. An orphan tends to compare himself or herself with others, leading to either pride or depression, whereas a child stands confidently in Christ, and his self-worth comes from Jesus, his blood and his righteousness. An orphan is relatively prayerless. Prayer is a last resort for orphans. Whereas a child, prayer is a vital part of the day. They love to talk to their father. Do you hear yourself in any of those things? Living as an orphan, as if you do not have a father who cares deeply about you, who is in control of all things, who knows what is best, who loves you. Do you resist this incredible truth that he has adopted you as a child? Or are you willing to receive it and count on it and live your life out of it? Will you believe that God loves you this much? But as, the great, um, as great as these gifts are, there's one gift that God wants to give you to which all of these other gifts, I, I would say pale in comparison, all of the other gifts that God gives us pale in comparison, and that is the gift of Jesus. It's the gift of Jesus himself. Verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive him, right, but to all who did receive him. And then it goes on to say, you know, the benefit of receiving him, the the benefit of adoption. Um, The ultimate gift, really, that all the other gifts point to, that all the other gifts are for the sake of, is the gift of Jesus himself. To know Jesus, to know who he is, to behold who he is, to experience who Jesus himself is. That is the ultimate gift. Even as as we've read through this, this passage You see all, uh, just hints of all that Jesus is. In Jesus was life in verse four. All of life is wrapped up in who Jesus is. It's through Jesus that we have light and that we're able to see things clearly, see life clearly, see ourselves clearly. He is the eternal one who has existed from before anything was ever created. He's the one through whom all things were made. He's the one in whom is all grace and truth. Jesus is the ultimate gift. And all other gifts from God exist for the purpose of knowing Jesus, of beholding Jesus, of experiencing the presence of Jesus. And the problem for us is, is I think we often get caught up in focusing on all of these other gifts from God and missing Jesus. We tend to to focus on the good things that God gives us and just be satisfied with those things instead of realizing that those those things were meant to point us to something greater, to point us to the the satisfaction that we can find in Jesus alone. Uh, I made another reference to this book by Jared Wilson called The Imperfect Disciple. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Um, It's a really good book. The last chapter is all about heaven, about experiencing heaven. And one of the things that he talks about in that book is he talks about how all of the good things in life, all of the things that we enjoy, all of the things that, that we get joy out of and delight are things that that God actually leaves as breadcrumbs for us. Breadcrumbs that are meant to lead us somewhere else. You know the story of Hansel and Grow where they left breadcrumbs as a a trail so they could get back home. Um, Often we, we, we have all of these amazing things that we experience in life, these things that we enjoy, whether they're relationships, people that we love, time when we sit around a dinner table and we enjoy fellowship with one another, things that we love to do, whether it's reading or music or art, are out running. 
exercise. Um, beautiful. The beauty of creation, a beautiful sunset, things that we enjoy. We tend to, to take these things and we enjoy them and, and, and that's, that's where it ends for us. But what God means for all of these things that he gives us to, are to be things that remind us that there is something even more satisfying, something even more beautiful that we were all created for and that is Jesus himself. That's Jesus himself. Jesus is more beautiful than the most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen. He brings more joy than the joy that you get as you sit around a dinner table with those that you love and you talk. He is the one that all of these other things were meant to point us to. And yet we often are simply satisfied with these other things. With these other things. And we fail to look to him, to seek him, to receive him, to to say, I need him more than anything. Because God has given him to us that's the attitude that I think we all need to have as we celebrate Christmas. As great as all these gifts are that we give to one another, they pale in comparison to the joy and the glory that Jesus offers us. And these things are just meant to point us to him, to the experience that we can have in beholding him and his glory right now, today. We need to have an attitude that says, I want Jesus more than anything I don't know how many of you guys saw it this week. There was a, uh, we're, we're doing the, Chris, the kids' Christmas program in a few minutes here. Um, and there was a video that was making its rounds on uh, social media this past week. Some of you guys may have seen it, where there's a, I guess the Christmas pageant maybe was last week, weekend. I'm not sure. But um, this person films the, the Christmas pageant that's going on in this church. And there's these angelic, this angelic choir of little kids that are singing away in a manger. And they're off camera because the camera is focused in on this little nativity scene. And at the nativity scene, there are, you know, is the, the usual nativity scene. They have the, the, the manger and the, the stable there, and there are these little tiny kids who are dressed up as Mary and Joseph sitting next to the manger where there's a little doll dressed as baby Jesus in the manger. And there's a little, little girl angel sitting next to Joseph, I think. And then there's a couple kids dressed as animals. There's a, a sheep and, I don't know, there's a cow, I'm not sure. But there are, you know, there's little tiny kids. Like, the sheep is like two years old. And, and, and they're sitting there, and the sheep's sitting there, and they're singing away in the manger. It's all beautiful. And then the sheep starts to get a little fidgety and bored and, and she starts to kind of pull the, the, the blanket off of Jesus, off the manger. And then she stands up and she goes over and she picks Jesus up in the middle of the whole program and, and picks Jesus up and starts to kind of like walk around with Jesus and hold Jesus. And, uh, and, and all the parents, you know, think it's really cute. But, but Mary is a little concerned because she realizes that there's got to be a, this is a, you know, they're putting on a production here. And so Mary gets up after a few seconds and walks over to the sheep and pulls baby Jesus away from the sheep and puts baby Jesus back in the manger. And then the sheep is kind of like, you know, just stands there for a few more seconds. But she's like, no, I want Jesus, you know. And and so she goes back over to the manger and she picks baby Jesus up again and she starts dancing with baby Jesus and, and clinging to baby Jesus. And that's when Mary has had it. And she gets up and she starts like wrestling the sheep for baby Jesus and, and it looks like she has her in a headlock at the end, and it's, it's awesome. It is, it's so good. It's so funny. But, you know, somebody, I don't know how many of you guys are friends with Diane Graham. She just posted this. I, I, I saw it before that, but she posted it on Facebook a couple days ago, and she put the caption, if only we all wanted Jesus this much. 
if only we all wanted Jesus so much that we were willing to fight through any obstacle, through any distraction, to receive him, to behold him. That is what Christmas is about. That's what following God and knowing God is about. It's about receiving the beauty and the glory of all that Jesus is, all that he has done, all that he had promises to be for us. That will radically transform your Christmas. That will radically transform your life. Let's seek him together. Let's pursue him. Let's fight for him to cling to him as if our lives depended on it because the truth of the matter is our lives do depend on it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and the reminder of the gifts that you give us. The reminder of the, the glory of Jesus, that, that he is who we need. The reminder of, of the benefits that come as we receive Jesus and believe in him, that, that we can count ourselves as your children and it's dependent not on what, what we ever do, but on what you have done. The security that comes from that. We thank you. Father, we pray that you would help us to believe that you love us this much. We pray that you would help us, that you would open our eyes to see how sufficient and how satisfying Jesus is. That he is the only one who will truly satisfy us this Christmas. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing your name. Amen.